Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Good deal. Anyway, my name is Gary, and we're excited to have you here today. We are beginning a new series today, and uh, we are going to be talking about first. If you notice in your notes, that's the title of the series we're going to be talking about for the next five weeks. And uh, what is that all about, and how do we get there? Well, give me just a second, and I will explain. Uh, as most of you know, we are having a special contribution here in three weeks. And uh, if you've noticed, we have a goal of $100,000. And if you've paid attention to the uh, thermometer on the poster board in the small dome, we're a third of the way there already, which is pretty exciting. You know, some people have decided, hey, they wanted to give their money uh, along the way, don't want to wait for the big day. And uh, we've done that. Guys, in this special contribution has really opened my eyes and I believe uh, Tim and Alan, the other two elders' eyes as well, to give us some direction about what we're really wanting to present to you folks, the church, uh, about what it means to follow Jesus and how Jesus expects us to live our lives. You see, it's opened our eyes that we're not concerned about the special contribution. And what I mean by that is it's not our main emphasis I believe the special contribution has merely opened our eyes and hopefully opened your eyes too to the greater picture. Okay? Giving $100,000 in one day uh, isn't the end goal for us at, at, here at Greater Alton. is isn't the reason we made that special contribution. Our goal is that each and every person here at Greater Alton will stand before Jesus on Judgment Day and that they, he, will, he will tell them, well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, well that, that phrase comes from a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. And specifically in that parable, I encourage you to go back and read it. Uh, I talked about it here several weeks ago. But it's a story of a master who goes on a long journey and he entrusts uh, money, his money to his servants. And the money just in the story represents the resources that God has entrusted us with. And it's more than just the money. We, I can say this very confidently, that Tim and Alan and I are concerned with far more than this special contribution coming up. We are concerned with how you deal with the resources, how you use the resources that God has entrusted you with. And it's our responsibility to, to talk to you about that. And it's our responsibility to point you in the direction of good and faithful. And so what we decided to do here was to, this series, is to talk about, to look at different resources that God has entrusted us with. Next week, Tim is going to be talking about our money. In two weeks, on Father's Day, I'm going to be talking about our family. I believe our family is one of the, the biggest resources we have that God has entrusted us with. Especially as parents and as grandparents and as aunts and uncles. Then we're going to be talking about our time. Again, another huge resource. And then we're going to be talking about our talents. And so guys, when you look at this, we want you to be able to stand before Jesus and Him to say, you're good and faithful. And the really cool part, how many of you like tests where you've already been given the answers? Do you like that? I like that. Well, that's the really cool thing. 
Jesus has given us the answers. He has told us what good and faithful means in a variety of ways and a variety of places. Ultimately, you want to you pin it down very clearly is if you want to be considered a good and faithful servant with the resources God has entrusted you, you use those resources to make the Master happy. You use them in a way that satisfies Him. In a way that pleases Him. And He has told us in a variety of places, and again, I'm going to be very brief here, this isn't the whole study, but what He has told us is what pleases Him is that you use those resources to meet the needs of the people that God places in front of you. And those needs go well beyond material needs. But that's what the definition of good and faithful is. That's what pleases our King, our Master, Jesus. And so guys, as we look at this, how'd you come up with the title of first? Well, we'll get there, okay? We'll get there. Um, if you notice on your notes, the first verse in your notes, I decided to include, we had this verse in the notes from the last series on paradigm shift. And I left it up there at least for this lesson because I believe it is appropriate. When we're talking about putting things first, we're talking about doing things in a way that the world tells us not to do them. And so let's read that passage and we'll move on from there. Romans 12.2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, guys, when you look at the concept of first in the Bible, it is totally opposite of what the world tells you. And I'm going to run through some passages or reference some passages. They're not on your notes. Uh, if you want to ask me later, I can give you these or you can jot them down yourself. But in Matthew 6 and verse 33, it says that we're to seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthians and he's sharing with them or reminding them about when he was with them for the first time. And he says, when I was with you, I shared what was of first importance. And he goes on to talk about Jesus' death his burial, and His resurrection. That was the first importance. In Matthew 22, Jesus shares the first and the greatest commandment. To love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And incidentally, He goes on. He was only asked what's the greatest commandment. And He said, this is first. And He goes, but the second one is like it. And it's to love your neighbor as yourself. And he goes in to tell the story from there of the Good Samaritan. And again, you look at that, and it's what pleases the Master is to meet the needs of those in front of you that are in need. Uh, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus makes a statement that you've probably heard repeatedly, where He says, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. I believe it's that same passage. If not, it's, you can look it up yourself. Jesus says, the first among you must be the slave of everyone. 
See guys, first is a very important concept. He goes on in Luke chapter 2, when Jesus is presented as an infant at the temple, there's a, a verse from Exodus 13 that is quoted where it says, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And then in 2 Corinthians, it gives us this. It says, when it's talking about a special contribution, it says, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. You see, folks, when you read through there, you understand that first is an important concept to God. But there's another side of the coin. And I'm only going to give you two passages on this. The first is in Luke chapter 9, where Jesus is talking about people come up to Him and they say, Jesus, I'm going to follow You. But first, let me go bury my father. But first, I just got married. Let me go, let me go take care of that situation. But first, I just bought a piece of land and let me go, let me go look at that land and let me go take care of that. I'll follow you, Jesus, but first, what are they saying? I'll follow you, Jesus, but you won't be first. Another passage, guys, is in the book of 3 John, where a gentleman by the name of Diotrephes, it references him and it says he loves to be first. You see, he's not referencing that in an affirming way, shall I say. He's presenting that as a character flaw. He loves to be first. Loves the place of preeminence. But you see, guys, when you look at this, and you look at all those passages, it is very clear that God is concerned with the order of my life. Or the priorities of my life. And you see, guys, this way of living is completely opposite of what the world around you is telling you. You live in America. And America was founded on something called our Constitution. And the first the part of that is what? The Bill of Rights. Jesus calls us to give up our rights. Guys, look at this passage here in Luke chapter 16. It says, The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Elsewhere, in Matthew 23, Jesus is condemning the Pharisees and He says they love to be first. They love to be first. You see guys, whether or not Jesus is first in your life is a hard issue. It's a hard issue. Now I don't know if you've been, you've ever heard this before. Uh, I've had this said to me Many times it is, you don't know what's in my heart. Have you ever heard that? Somebody's talking and maybe it's one person is challenging another about the way they're following Jesus, or normally it's the way they're not following Jesus. <laughs> and that the one per the person being challenged will say, you don't know what's in my heart. Is that true? Typically it is. Okay. But can I tell you, it's not true every time. 
did you, can I tell you, we have a know, we have a way of knowing what's in each other's heart. And you have a way of knowing very clearly what's in your heart, so you can't even lie to yourself. Look at this passage here in Mark chapter 7. Okay? This is Jesus talking, and he says, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Another passage that says it even more clearly is in Matthew 12.34. And what it says is that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, guys, you want to know what's in somebody's heart? These two passages tell you very clearly you can see what's in, one per- what's in a person's heart. You listen to their words, and you look at their actions. Those are the two ways. You want to know what's in your heart? Okay, and by the way, I entitled this lesson, What's in Your Heart? You know, like the commercial for Capital One, What's in Your Wallet? Okay? Make the connection there so the next time you see the commercial, maybe you'll remember it and ask yourself the question. But guys, you want to know what's in your heart? Listen to the words you speak. And look at the actions you take. And you will see what is in your heart. Now today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a case study that very clearly illustrates this. It's in uh, Genesis chapter 4. You've got a couple verses up there in your notes. But up on the screen, we're going to read the first 16 verses of Genesis 4. Because I think it's important that we read the whole story. And that I want you to see what's going on. This story takes place following Adam and Eve sinning by eating the fruit that they were not supposed to eat. They were kicked out of the garden. And so then God is going on telling us a little bit more history of mankind. And this is what He says beginning in verse 1. It says, Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, He did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out in the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. 
Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Guys, as we begin this series today and we talk about examining what's first in your heart, You see, guys, we're going to be talking about using the resources that God has given us over the next four weeks. And I want to tell you, what determines what you do with the resources God gives you is your heart. And so I just want to set this up, and we want to look at, I just got four questions here that I'm going to to ask you to ask yourself. You don't have to answer them today. But maybe as time goes on, you want to examine these, you want to ask yourself these questions. First question, do I give my best or do I just give some? You see, guys, that is the difference here between what Cain gave and what Abel gave. Okay, we have no idea how much uh, quantity they gave. We don't know if they gave 10%. We don't know if they gave 20%. We don't know if they gave 3%. God doesn't reveal that to us. What He does reveal to us is that Cain gave some and Abel gave fat portions from the firstborn. You see, guys, the significance of the firstborn or of the first fruits as he later commands his people to give from, is that you don't know what's coming after that. I mean, if you can imagine being a uh, a breeder of animals as as Abel was, and your first your first litters are being born, and they're fat, healthy, large animals. And you see, you don't know what the next litter is going to be like. He was taking the best. He was sacrificing the best to God. Well, Cain gave some. Cain gave some. See, guys, and we're talking about more than just money here. We're talking about all of our resources. Incidentally, they're not giving money, though I understand they're giving the equivalent of it. Um, and it covers so much more ground than just our money. In Colossians 3.23, it says this, Whatever work you do, do it with all your heart. Do it for the Lord and not for men. There's another passage here I want to read to you. It applies to this and it, it, it illustrates it very well. It's in Malachi chapter 1. If you want to write that down, you can read it later yourself. I'll read it all to you right now. But in this passage, what's going on is the nation of Israel at that time is sacrificing to God the way Cain was sacrificing to God. Okay? They were giving some. 
They were obeying the rule to give their tithe, to give their 10%, but they were not giving their best. Let's read the passage. Beginning in verse 6 of Malachi 1, it says, A son honors his father, and a slave his master. If I'm a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you? Said the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. What's he saying there, guys? What they're offering to God is useless. He would rather them shut the doors to the temple than continue to offer Him less than their best. And I believe the same is true to us today. And that's why we're answering the question. And I'll let you finish that passage. It goes on with more of the same. I believe the portion I read illustrates what I'm trying to say. Is that in your heart that says, I want to give God my best? And why don't I give God the first fruits? I'm not even going to talk about the 10% issue. That's a totally different deal. I would much rather have people here at Greater Alton who are committed to giving God their best than I would a group that's given 10%. Where is your commitment at? Second question is do I listen to the Word of God? Do I listen to the Word of God? Now this, this seems almost simple, doesn't it? It really does. And the question, you know, for years, honestly, I'm not sure if I even made the connection until this week when Alan pointed me at this passage we're about to read. But you often wondered, how did they know what to give? You know? I mean, very clearly, I think God had an expectation of what they were supposed to give. And it's almost like Cain, you know, when I first read this and I was younger, it was like, well, how is he supposed to know? How is he supposed to know? Maybe he didn't know till after God didn't look with favor on his offering. Well, here's a passage that kind of sheds some light on this. And guys, this passage, incidentally, this is a side note, this is why you want to read all the Bible. Okay? You don't want to read through passages and go, huh? That's just not really significant because God hides little things in verses. And let me read this and let me set this up. This passage is in Luke and Jesus is talking with the religious people of that generation and they're saying, if we would have been alive, we would not have killed the prophets like our forefathers have. That's what they're saying. And Jesus is telling them, this, your generation is going to be held responsible for the death of those prophets. And this is what he has to say. He says, therefore, this generation 
will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world. Ouch. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Now I know, I've already told you, he's saying you folks are responsible, but hidden within there is a little bitty fact about the story we're looking at in Genesis 4 because it talks about Abel. And what it tells us, this is Jesus who's telling us this, He's telling us that Abel was a prophet. Wasn't just an ordinary guy. Now, if you wonder, well, what's that mean? In those days, they didn't have the written Word, and so God used prophets to speak the Word to them. God would speak to prophets. If you go to 2 Peter chapter 1, I believe it's 2 Peter chapter 1. Let me see my notes. Yes, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19-21. through You can see that all on your own. But God would speak to the prophets and the prophets would bring the Word of God to the people around them. And so apparently, I think it's fair to assume that Cain and Abel knew what God expected of them because Abel told them as a prophet what to expect. And see, guys, the challenge is we don't have we don't have prophets running around here like that today, but we do have the written word of God. And my question is, how much do you value it? How much do you look at it and you dig at what it has to say? You see, guys, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you don't value what he has to say, that's a really big contradiction. A really big contradiction. And that is going to influence the way you live and act. It's going to influence the condition of your heart. For whatever reason, Cain looked at the Word of God and said, eh, I can kind of, I can just kind of do it. He says he wants the fat portions, he wants the first fruits of my crop, I'm going to give him some. I'm very curious if he's like the people in Malachi who brought the bad stuff to him. Okay? Unfortunately, God doesn't give us that kind of detail, so we're left to speculate. But he decided that he was not going to listen to the Word of God. Even after God presents it to him and God talks to him and says, why are you downcast? Why are you so angry? He goes, if you do what's right... Won't you be accepted? What's he telling him? He says, number one, you know what's right. If you do what's right, you'll be accepted. Guys, that's the challenge for every one of us. It's not a matter of reading the Word of God to give us comfort. It does do that. It's a matter of reading the Word of God to know what pleases our Master. And we have to ask ourselves the questions, do I value that? And do I value that first? Do I value that first? And guys, I've told the stories multiple, multiple, multiple times. See, do you 
value what the Word of God says about helping the needy that are in front of you, or do you value your personal safety more? Which do you value? And I can't tell you the number of times I have opportunities to help people and I am faced with what the Word of God has to say. I spent, last Saturday night, I spent four hours going to visit someone in jail. I've been doing this since January. Alright, four hours for a 50 minute visit. What it cost me. Because you gotta get there a half hour early. Alright, it's an hour and 15 minutes away. And at this particular jail, you never know when they're gonna let you in to see people. I mean, it's a joke. <laughs> it really is. We show up the first time, uh, I forget how this worked. Uh, let me think of, think of this. We show up the first time, we show up a half hour early like we're supposed to, and on that particular day, there's more people there than they have room for, so they divide us into two groups. They don't tell us any of this. They just let half of them in. Twenty minutes after they've let half of them in, I talk to the folks on the phone, oh, we had to divide them into two groups. You'll be let in in ten minutes. Okay. Thirty minutes later, we're not inside. Okay, so we have to go. We're on a time schedule. We don't get to see the person we're wanting to visit. The next week we show up, and we show up at 1.30 just like we're supposed to. We sign up. They're supposed to let us in at 2 o'clock. So we, we go out and go for a walk. And you know what they decided to do that week? Let people in early. Guess whose name was called and wasn't there? I mean, it's a, it's a hassle to go visit this guy in jail. And guys, honestly, he's been arrested for child pornography. We were the first people to come visit him in ten and a half months in jail. Why do we do that? Because of what Matthew 25 says. And it's recording Judgment Day, and when people are standing before Jesus, and one of the things He's going to tell those people is either, I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you came to visit me. You see, guys, it's not a matter of me judging the guy for what he did or if he's worthy of my visit. It's a matter of my master wants me to go visit him. And I value what my master has said. Guys, that's the second question. Third question is how do I respond to challenge? How do I respond to challenge? This is what happened with Cain. It says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And it says, now Cain said to his brother, Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. God challenges him. God speaks to him directly. Asks him, why are you, why are you downcast? What's going on with this? If you don't do what's, if you do what's right, won't you be accepted? And what, how does he respond? He goes and kills his brother. Guys, let me ask you, how do you respond to challenge? You see, guys, what you see with Cain in this situation is the same thing that every one of you faces multiple times a day. No, you know, no, I know, I know. Well, some of you may have to face the decision to try to kill somebody every day, but 
Most of us, I'm guessing, don't face that decision. But we face the decision of am I going to please the Lord or am I going to please myself? That's the decision we face. And that's a challenge for us, is it not? And if you want to know what's in your heart, all you have to do is look at how you respond to those challenges. Even though you may, you may you're, and you're probably responding to them without even realizing it. See, some of them, guys, there's, there's two types of challenges like this. One is what I call instantaneous challenge, or instant, you know, we react to something. Somebody says something and we're mad and we mouth off in anger. Even though the Bible tells us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? Doesn't matter, you know, some person, it's usually somebody close to us, and they push our buttons. If you're married, I don't need to say anything more, do I? Okay? If you're a teenager, I don't need to say anything more. If you're alive, I don't need to say anything more. Okay? It happens and we react. See, the other situation is what you see here with Cain, where we're given time. We're given time. Cain, it wasn't a momentary reaction. God challenged him and he just, you know, Abel was next to him and he raised the knife or the club or whatever and killed him. That's not the way it happened. A period of time goes by. See, sometimes we have issues in our life where we have to decide if we're going to satisfy the Master. And it's not a matter of not getting angry in the moment. It's a matter of choosing to forgive somebody. It's a matter of choosing to be patient with somebody. It's a matter of choosing to joyfully help somebody out the hundredth time. You see, guys, you are challenged every day multiple times on will I listen to the Word of God. Now, if you don't value the Word of God, you may not know the Word of God, and you may miss the opportunity. And quite honestly, that's why we're involved in each other's lives. So we can point at those things. A few weeks ago, Alan and I had one of those moments. He sent me a t- he was sending some texts, and he asked me what I thought, and I said, I don't think you should have sent that text. You reacted. How do you respond to challenge? Let me, let me ask you another question. How are you responding right now? No, I'm not talking about to my lesson. I'm talking about how are you responding to what's in your life right now that God has given you? See, because if you are worrying about something, you're not listening to God. If you are not forgiving somebody, you're not listening to God. And you guys, if you don't, if you're not concerned with what God has to say, if you don't value it, and if you're not responding when challenged the right way, you're not going to deal with His resources the way He wants you to deal with them. Fourth question. Is will I regret my decisions? Will I regret my decisions? You see guys, Abel did regret his decisions. How do I know that? He said so. Genesis 4, verses 13 and 14, Cain said to the Lord, My punishment 
is more than I can bear. Today You're driving me from the land and I will be hidden from Your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. You see, folks, the truth of the matter is there are consequences for our sin. And there's a big consequence coming. It's called Judgment Day. This story with Cain is, is like a, a snapshot of what Judgment Day is going to be like. God's going to say, told you what to do. I warned you. You didn't do it. Here's the consequences. That's what He's doing. I have another passage there in your notes just referenced. It's in Acts chapter 24, verses 24 through 27. Let me set this up. The Apostle Paul is in jail. He's being held. Uh, they can't, honestly, they can't quite ever figure out why he's being held, can they? I mean, the Jews have said, arrest this guy, and they turn him over to the Romans, and the Romans go, what's he here for? I mean, that's literally what's going on. Felix, the man in the story that we're, we're going to be looking at, is a Roman official who's charged with either sending him to jail, he's charged with judging him. And this is what it says. It says, several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. And said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping Paul would offer him a bribe, so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. <laughs> That's just comical, isn't it? Afraid of, I mean, he's convicted. He, he wants, uh, he, he, he's convicted about what Paul has to say. He's afraid of what Paul has to say. Ah, let's go, let's get a bribe out of him. It says, when two years passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. I think it's a fair assumption to assume that Felix never responded to Jesus. Never responded to Jesus. Now, I know from other things that it's recorded that Paul has said, when he talked to him about judgment, he told him very plainly that there is a judgment day coming when everyone who has died will be resurrected and we will face Judgment Day. And we're going to be judged one of two ways. We are either going to be considered good and faithful servants and we're going to live eternal life or we're going to be viewed as not good and faithful servants and we're going to go to hell. We're going to be destroyed. Those are the only two options there. Now the question is, Am I going to regret my decisions? Because that day is coming. And guys, as we begin this, I just want to encourage you. I hope you can hang on to these notes. If you, if you lose them, you can go to the website. They're up on the website. In fact, you can re-listen to this if you want to hear it again. If you want to challenge what I'm having to say, we can talk. That's fine. But guys... It's our desire 
that you examine what's in your heart today. That you look at this, that this special contribution is more than just a special contribution. We're wanting to throw the door wide open to examine, am I a good and faithful servant? And in the next three weeks, as you're thinking about that, I'm not really concerned with where you land on that. I'm concerned with after three weeks from today, if you're interested in being a good and faithful servant for the rest of your life. That's what I'm asking. And this special contribution is one opportunity to examine where you're at on that. Guys, I'm done. Let's pray and we'll be finished. Alright? Father, I am so happy that You've given us the answers to the test. Father, we don't have to worry about showing up on Judgment Day and go, You never told me that! Father, it's so plain. You've promised that if we seek, we'll find. And if anybody's in the room right now and they're wondering, I don't know what being good and faithful looks like. Father, all they got to do is seek. And they'll find. You will reveal Yourself to them. Father, I'm going to pray right now. I want to ask for one thing for every person in this room. And that is a willingness to see what's in their heart. Father, we're challenged by a silly commercial about what's in our wallet. Father, I want to know, I want everyone in this room to know what's in their heart. And Father, I pray they have the courage to look at their actions and to look at their words in light of your word. And if they don't know your word, then they're wanting to find out your word. Father, I pray we can take that approach, Father. And I pray we all rejoice on Judgment Day as good and faithful servants. Amen.